Alien comes at you from all angles. Today I'm talking about why Alien is scary. This is Scott's Up Adultery Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about alien and it's a movie that has been talked about a bunch but in particular i just want to wanted to deconstruct or just kind of look into all the ways and places that this movie is designed to creep people out and it's multi-layered and i think it's only gotten stronger over time to some extent uh despite you know things like visual effects improving and things like that i think that conceptually this hits home now perhaps more than ever. So without further ado, let's get started. It's an understatement to say that Alien is one of the most influential movies of all time. Whether it is H.R. Giger's signature creature design, Sigourney Weaver being synonymous with how to do a solid female protagonist, or the iconic chestburster scene. Ridley Scott's 1979 film is one of the most analyzed and reinterpreted films of all time. And I also enjoy almost every interpretation that I've heard, whether it's looking at the film through a feminist lens, how it popularized cosmic horror, or even the emphasis on corporate overlord fuckery that franchises like Resident Evil have turned up to 11. But what I want to talk about today is why Alien remains scary today, because Alien contains almost everything you fear. So here's a setup, which is mostly just a refresher. The premise for Alien is as straightforward as you can imagine. A crew of space truckers are in some kind of cryostasis on their way home when they are interrupted by a distress call from an unknown planet. Though suspicion abounds, the crew agrees to investigate the call. But when one of their own is attacked by an alien egg and brought aboard, they unwittingly begin a fight for their lives. I'm going to abandon any attempts to try and talk about this movie in a traditional or linear sense. Not only do I think that it's a fool's errand that countless people have already tried and likely done better, but because I want to emphasize how this movie layers in elements of horror to create something uniquely terrifying. So let's start with something very, very simple. Fear of the unknown. Science fiction offers a lot of terrifying questions and possibilities, mostly because we don't know what's out there. There may be more sentient life, but any of our conclusions about it all come from preconceptions based on how our world, our people, and even our science works. Every new creature or discovery carries a laundry list of uncertainty. This is the baseline fear if you've never seen Alien before. You can piece together via context clues in the general vibes that something that attaches onto someone's face and won't let go of their throat is not great. But other than that, how do you handle this thing? What can it do? Can it reason? Can it think ahead? What is its end goal? The movie plays coy with this idea for a long time, both to maintain the movie's tense atmosphere, but also because the more you know about the xenomorph and how it works, the less scary it becomes. As the old saying goes, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. But the first go-round especially, those unknowns hang in the air like a sword of Damocles. We also have isolation. One of the most common fears that horror movies love to play with is being alone, or even feeling alone. If your lead character is in a haunted house, you want the house to be big, so it looks and feels empty. That's why they tend to go for older houses. Likewise, you want your horror movie characters to be cut off from the world at large. It's why almost every modern horror movie finds some way to negate cell phones. In Alien, the crew of the Nostromo are isolated in every way imaginable. 
First and foremost, they are in space and miles upon miles away from anybody who could pick up a distress call or help them. Not only that, but the stop where they pick up the alien is off their usual route, which means anyone coming to find them may be wildly, would be wildly off course. And the majority of the crew do not have the ability to check in with Earth to get advice or call for help if anything goes wrong. It's up to the crew of the Nostromo to figure it out. Every death means the remaining crew members are more isolated with fewer options to defend themselves. The Nostromo itself isn't much help either. As much as it might stink to be stuck in a room with a killer being, at least you know where it is. However, the Nostromo is so large that the alien is easily able to d disappear into the air ducts and move around the ship without being spotted. Until it wants to be. And that is the wonderfully cruel irony of something like Alien or a slasher villain. That our heroes being alone is terrifying, but the sudden appearance of our villain being with them makes it even worse. What's worse than finding a terrifying alien in a giant spaceship? The alien finding you first. And as we know, no one can hear you scream in space. We also have a force you can't reason with. One of the most popular turns in science fiction recently is to portray future humanity's encounters with forces beyond our comprehension. This usually comes in two varieties. Either the being or beings in question are so powerful that we can't possibly stop them from completing their goal, probably humanity's destruction, or that said beings don't have consciousness. Instead, they live to destroy, envelop, and recreate. They are id. Combined, we have one of the most terrifying enemies we can imagine, a destructive force you cannot reason with, and Xenomorph fits into both camps. It is a being so big and powerful whose anatomy can tear a human body apart that only has one goal, kill, consume, create. It's pretty noteworthy that the Xenomorph's method of reproduction is literally finding a host and killing it. It is a vicious parasite. And there's nothing this crew can do to sati satiate this creature other than offer up their lives, which they obviously don't want to do. Then again, someone or something else might be willing to make that sacrifice. And then we get into people being treated as commodities. One of my favorite elements of the documentary Memory, The Origin of Alien, is the discussion about the crew of the Nostromo and the ship itself. Namely, that despite working on a spaceship and dealing with an alien, the crew are all the equivalent of blue-collar workers or big-rig truckers. They're worried about getting home, getting their bonuses, and don't have a strong investment in the company or the technology. They all wear worn jumpsuits and whatever kind of personal flair they want to on their heads, including Harry Dean Stanton actually wearing a trucker hat. This visual coding of the crew as working class people adds more layers of discomfort and makes their treatment from the higher ups, either in their directions or the action of their AI flunky, more tragic. It isn't the crew's idea to check out this planet. It was a company policy that forces them to land and investigate the distress call. It's a company man who lets the alien onto the ship, and it's the company that decides that the crew is expendable compared to the murderous xenomorph. This find is more important than the six lives that will likely be lost along the way. Over the last few years, I think people have started to understand how greed and late capitalism have made this willingness to sacrifice workers' lives and well-being feel less like science fiction. Just ask anyone who was demanded to return to work in the midst of the strongest, most contagious, and vaccine-resistant COVID variants, or companies who simply refused to act like the pandemic was happening. For reporters who even bothered to ask, the Great Resignation, as it was called, was fueled in large part because people didn't want to die for a company that clearly didn't view them as people. It is why I left my previous job. 
When I said that getting COVID or even the possibility of giving COVID was giving me panic attacks, I was told I could take a moment before returning to work. But working from home was never on the table. It's terrible to be stuck at work with a xenomorph, but it's terrifying that your work wanted you to be there and would use technology to keep you there. Which brings us to AI. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is a sci-fi staple, not only as a potential villain that wants to take down humanity, but also as a life form that makes us question what it is to be human. This is how you get the range of takes on AI from Terminator to Ex Machina. What's fascinating about Alien is that the audience doesn't know that an AI via an android is even part of the equation. Ian Holmes Ash, before Ian Holmes Ash violently attacks Ripley and is hit with a fire extinguisher and begins spouting white bile-like fluid before his head is knocked cleanly from his body. When he's briefly brought back to explain what he did, all of his actions throughout the film start to make sense. He opened the door to the ship when Ripley refused. He has been disabling the crew's means of defending themselves and getting outside help. He was just trying to stop them from blowing up the ship for their own for just for this he was just trying to stop them from blowing up the ship for their own safety's sake but why though as cold and unfeeling as his logic and admiration for the xenomorph is there's no tangible reason why ash would do this is there a glitch or perhaps he came to some kind of detached rational conclusion that could make sense to the cold logic of a machine this is something that ridley scott addressed in his later movies in almost every story with killer technology, said technology turns sour via some form of logic or misapplication of their programming, either that or an existential threat to their existence. The oft-mocked and never-seen Animatrix demonstrates why the machines took over and fought humans. They were being abused and felt like they had to rebel. But Ash doesn't have any of those problems because none of the crew even knew he was an android. They just assumed he was one of them, nor did they single him out. And the Xenomorph just seems to just seems as likely to kill him as anybody else. No, Ash did this because he was asked to do it by corporate, to make sure that the alien survived regardless of what happened to the crew. And it's here that Alien stumbles into the problem with technology that only gets stronger over time. The problem with Ash isn't that he's going rogue or that something's wrong with him. It's that he's doing exactly what he's been asked to do. And finally, we get the feeling of being the only sane person in the room. It's odd that one of the most relatable lines in cinema history comes from an evil fashion designer played by Will Ferrell in Zoolander. Towards the end of the movie, Ferrell's Mugatu is at the end of his rope after his scheme to complete a political assassination has been thwarted. So much so that he takes a hatchet to Derek Zoolander's reputation and says that the famous model only has one look. Am I the only one that noticed this? He screams, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! Though you've probably never had to point out something quite as absurd, I'm sure you've encountered a discussion or idea that is bafflingly, bafflingly stupid from every conceivable angle. And when you bother to point it out, everyone dismisses your complaints as bitterness or that you just don't get it. My best example would be, pe be people who put all of their investments in crypto without realizing how the markets really work, and then when you challenge them, they would claim that you're a Luddite or didn't get it. Cut to now when one of the biggest crypto markets has gone under thanks to fraud. The beacon of sanity in Alien is Sigourney Weaver's Ripley. No matter where the crew is in their current situation, Ripley is the one trying to keep the alien away, get the crew away, or investigate further before they assume anything is safe. She is the rational skeptic in a crew of people either looking to get paid without incident or just do what corporate says. And Ripley's experience in this movie is a nightmare that I'm sure you've encountered in your own life. 
whether you've told somebody that their decision could end in disaster, and lo and behold, it did. Unfortunately for Ripley, her nightmare isn't about business or relationship ending, it's everyone's safety. And she has to watch as the grimmest version of I told you so energy as the creature that only got on because they landed on a planet she didn't want to land on and opened doors she didn't want to open and let a man she wanted to keep isolated amongst the crew turns everything towards destruction. There's a lot of natural terror to be found in Alien's concept. A malevolent murder machine in any situation is terrifying. But it's the details and how the alien got on the ship, why it was allowed on, and how easily this could have been prevented, and that there's no one else to help that makes it terrifying. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.